one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My debut book, Manifest, Seven Steps to Living Your Best Life, is out now, and you can order it from Amazon, Wallstones, or any other major bookshop. In this book, you will learn absolutely everything that you need to know about manifestation. You will understand that it really is a self-development practice to live by, to empower yourself, to step into your light, to become the best version of yourself that exists, and to attract anything you want into your life. I cannot wait for you all to read it. And if you love it, please don't forget to rate and review on Amazon, Audible, or wherever you purchased it from. Thank you so much and happy manifesting. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxy Nafusi. Today, I am joined by the absolutely delightful Kagi Dunlop. Kagi is host of podcast Saturn Returns and soon to be author and someone that I met in Bougie Nightclub when I was 16. So we have known each other a very long time. Kagi, thank you so much for coming on the show, my love. Oh, thank you very much for having me and for that introduction. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I think... Yeah, I'm just, there's a lot going on right now in the world and mm. a lot of sort of, yeah, collective shifts happening with that. Mm. But, you know, I'm keeping on. Good. So I don't know if you've heard the podcast before, but basically what we do is dive straight in to the first defining moment. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I'm like, what's it going to be? It's, I've been thinking about it it's so hard because it's such a hard one to think back of but I'm just going to go with the ones that I've kind of thought of that have come to mind but a really defining moment for me and I'll I'll explain why was um I moved to LA when I was 27 and I went through this very big shift there and that you know that's kind of how I came up with the idea of Saturn Returns and to do what I'm doing now. And when I, I, I started recording music, so I was working in music out there and I became such an, a perfectionist about it and so ruled by fear that I just couldn't release it. And I was just so scared. And I got myself into just like such an awful headspace because of that, that I became a bit like paralyzed by that fear. Mm. And so um, a really key moment for me was when I came back to London and I decided to just put out some music just on my own and with like no label or no team or anything like that because and that was such a key point for me because it it represented like letting go a little bit mm. and kind of trusting that you know 
things were going to be okay. And so when I released this song called Here We Are Again, it had this response from people that felt so incredible and I felt so supported in it. And I remember at the time I was in Italy with my brother. And so I'd gone away for the music release, which in itself was kind of ridiculous. But I guess I was running away from the possibility of it being ridiculed. And he said to me on a walk, he was like, what do you want to happen? Like, what's your goal with this? And I said, my dream would be for it to be on New Music Friday, which in you know music is kind of like a chart system for new artists. And I came home or came back to the hotel and someone had WhatsApp me, someone that I knew from the music industry a long time before. And he said, congratulations on New Music Friday. And yeah, it had been picked up in the US and the UK and was on oh. New Music Friday. And it was just such a like a moment of, oh my God, maybe like this is possible, you know? It was, mm. I was so, so happy. Mm. Oh, I love that. And it's such a clear example of kind of, you know, really be a, being able to sit through the discomfort of the fear and... Mm just going, no, I just have to do this. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it despite feeling af- afraid um, mm. and the universe kind of rewarding you for that. Yeah, and it's it's such a terrifying thing because I feel like the, the closer we are to something and the more we love it, and you can apply this to like many contexts in life, the more mm. resistance and the greater the fear that's going to be around it. You know, and I think I think we kind of trick ourselves out of doing a lot of stuff that brings us joy because we're scared of how it will be received by others. One hundred percent. And when you say that you were in LA and you were having this kind of shift, what was that? What was what was happening then? So before I moved to LA, I guess like, you know, and we met during this time, my twenties and even early um, early 20s and teen years were very sort of hedonistic. I was always out and about. I was clubbing, I was drinking, I was partying. I based my life on this sort of need for external validation. Like I needed to be liked and loved by everybody in order to find some sort of feeling of belonging, I guess. And mm. when I moved to LA, that whole sort of infrastructure started to crumble. I no longer... I whenever I drank it just really wasn't agreeing with me and I knew that I needed to sort of abstain from alcohol and substances and then I kind of found myself in a bit of a no man's land because I wasn't I wasn't doing the things that I used to do and the old coping mechanisms weren't working anymore but I still didn't quite have the people or the space or the language to really find something that felt grounded and so it was It was turbulent in the sense of I just felt very unanchored as a person because I kind of knew who I wasn't and I had this desire to be my authentic self. But after, you know, almost a decade of pretend, I didn't know who that was. Mm. And and LA really represents, you know, LA in itself is very vast. It's, you always are in a car going from one place to another. And so it represented this sort of void in my life in a literal and metaphorical sense of just this space of like, what is out there and how can I how can I find it and I think for you know as much as it was a great time and I met some amazing people it was on the whole quite lonely Mm. and I was faced with all these sort of you know shadow aspects of myself that I had to confront 
and that was that was hard and so and for someone that doesn't someone listening that maybe doesn't know what you mean by shadow aspects mm-hmm. what does that mean for you well I like to kind of view things you know like you I'm very into personal development and I like to view things through the lens of astrology because for whatever reason it, it's given me um, a deeper understanding in, of self but also a way of viewing the world that feels kind of like we're all part of something yet yeah, it's also very personal so shadow to me is kind of like everything has is in balance like everything runs even so the shadow we all have like our shadow aspects that we have to confront in order to work through and if we don't we may be um, they may kind of creep up in and manifest in all kinds of ways that will hold us back in life. And I, I believe that during your Saturn return is like a really key moment where those things come to the forefront and it can feel particularly challenging because of that, because it's quite intense. But it's so that you can really unearth those coping strategies, those negative toxic patterns that you've been living with in order mm. to excel into the future. And so I guess, you know, to kind of give an example of some of the ones for me, like uh, struggling with, you know, my sober journey was definitely a big one. My um, perfectionism that I didn't even realize I had until almost quite recently, this this fear of letting go of not being perfect, of things that I put out into the world not being perfect and and how I would then kind of sabotage that. I think it's really interesting with perfectionism because... And I'm really, and I, I feel like I haven't actually spoken to anyone on the show really about it. But I think because perfectionism is almost kind of celebrated. Mm. Sometimes people sometimes say it about themselves in this way that's like, you know, yeah. I'm just a real perfectionist, as if it's this really empowering trait. Totally. But actually, when you learn about it and you understand, actually, it's so driven by fear and it's so limiting. Um, it's kind of astounding. So could you talk a bit about your experience with perfectionism a bit more and um, how actually yeah. that, that limited you and, and how you've learned to kind of let it go or if you have? Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it is something that I'm definitely still uh, still working through because like you say, perfectionism, if, when people go for a job interview and they have to say, you know, what what are your weaknesses or what are your, you know, everyone always says, oh, I'm a perfectionist because that's like the positive weakness. Yeah, and yeah. It, yeah, and people really identify in the same way that we, you know, kind of glorify like busyness. Totally. But I never really thought I was a perfectionist because I'm someone that's quite messy and quite chaotic and, you know, I'm not that organized with stuff and I I associated perfectionists with people that you know kept their life in immaculate order but I didn't realize that how perfect I was a perfectionist about myself my my looks my body and also aspects of my career and that was particularly in music because I think it was something that was so personal to me so it was an extension of self so I guess it's really anything that I found could be judged um, anything that I thought people would judge me for. So from a very young age, I absorbed um, this notion that in order to be loved and worthy and accepted, I had to be perfect. And that's not to say anyone directly told me that, but I think it's quite easy through the media um, and just, you know, especially how women are portrayed and the expectations around them to think that you know it's quite just through osmosis you can start to have those feelings about yourself and I also used it as a sort of um a shield 
from the world. I think when I was about 14, I remember my parents were getting a divorce and I was so unhappy in myself. I, you know, and that's also something that's a Saturn square. We have Saturn squares in oppositions. And so that's like a big shift in one's identity. And I remember very clearly at that moment in time thinking, I'm going to be someone else. Like I'm going to be this perfect version of myself or like this tapestry of me that will absolve me from the horrors of being human, of like suffering, of, of feeling any kind of pain. And I kind of lived my life for that way for quite a long time, actually. And I, what that meant was that I would constantly shapeshift. And when something felt too committed or too real, I would sort of morph and move again because I didn't, I, f I found, you know, remaining the same too risky. And, and that could have been applied to career, relationships, um, because I was so afraid, I guess, of being truly seen that it felt easier to sort of sail from port to port than mm. remain grounded in one place. Um, but to kind of go back to what you just asked, more recently, I guess, perfectionism for me you know, it's, and it's something I'm still navigating in in music and what that looks like and how I want to put that out into the world. But I think stuff around my my body and how um, I've communicated to myself internally, and because I'm in a relationship, it's my that internal critic will sort of say, "If this changes about you, like he won't love you anymore." Um, and confronting and actually speaking that out to my partner has been really painful because I think with any of these things, we carry a lot of shame with it. Mm. We can carry a lot of shame with it. So addressing those things kind of head on um, has been, yeah, it's been a process that I'm by no means out the other end of, but I'm working through. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing on that. You're so articulate. I love listening to you. Oh, thank um, you. It's a great way of expressing yourself. And yeah, just thank you so much. So then what was your second defining moment? So this is a strange one, but um when I when I came back to London um and was sort of trying to find my feet here and was like navigating my career and like, you know, when you've lived abroad, it's a it's a strange thing because you feel you've changed in every way, but everything kind of remains the same and has gone on without you. So, um, and I, I got in, I was in a relationship. I met someone and I was in a relationship and I kind of thought that that was it. Like I thought that we would get married and that was how things were going to unfold. And you, you can kind of see a trajectory of the future and how things will be. And I was definitely in a point with my career where, something was brewing but I didn't know exactly what and I I'd sort of conceptualized the idea of Saturn Returns in LA but I hadn't actually brought it to any kind of reality back in London or or didn't really know how to and then one sort of idle uh, Sunday morning I went I was at my boyfriend at the time's house um, and I'd been getting these these feelings, this sort of instinctive, intuitive feeling that something was really not right within the relationship, but there was nothing really happening on the surface. Um, there was nothing really wrong, but it felt it felt like a sort of 
deep knowing that something was it was it was very hard to it's hard to explain and hard um it was hard to understand at the time but it I ended up um seeing something that morning that you know I was never supposed to see that revealed that there was something deeply wrong within the relationship and it it came crumbling down in seconds like the my whole reality um the the carpet was pulled from underneath me I was so devastated it went from you know thinking I was in love and happy and gonna have this this um you know life with someone to not not knowing who this person was in front of me at all and it kind of was a it was an emotional rock bottom for sure um because it brought up all these feelings that I had battled with in the past but I felt like it was such a moment of you know when we start to intellectualize and learn and understand these things of shadow work of um our you know toxic patterns and we acknowledge where where we've struggled and where our pain points are I always think that the universe will then call it into action and by that I mean it will it will put a situation in our path which goes okay you're going to react the old way yeah and for me it was really challenging not to go back to that default setting of I'm a victim and I didn't this time I was like okay and I trusted that somehow it was going to be happening for me but it that didn't negate the pain and it then kind of put me on this journey of of healing of like really leaning into my spiritual path and I ended up going to Australia for the best part of a month and then I just went for it with Saturn Returns and the podcast and everything and it was such a catalyst and I, I always try and remind people of that like sometimes your most painful moments can act as such rocket fuel to allow you to go to where you're supposed to and even though it was like one of the saddest moments, it was one of the most defining because it made me realize that I was actually grounded in myself for the first time in my life. Like it didn't derail me in the way it would have in the past. I didn't go back to substances to kind of um, hide from the pain. I just handled it head on. I feel like that happening was in a way your biggest fear of being yeah. seen. And then it and crashed. Rejected. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so in a way, that's why it was it, it makes it all the more incredible and impactful and um such a great opportunity for growth because you've kind of at this point recognized some of these things and then you found and I think that can often happen with self-development, you know, with this healing and then we instantly think, Oh my god, I've noticed, it, I've recognized it, I'm healed from it. Mm. And then it gives you than your worst fear and you mm -hmm. and then what you decide to do with that that really uh you know set, defines, defines what you next and defines you and so uh, yeah I think it's really interesting that you having just said that you know that was your fear to be seen and then you finally commit to this relationship you do commit you do see a future you do decide look that this is where I'm going to stay and then that yeah. happens and I think how much stronger you are for that is just incredible. Yeah, totally. And how, you know, easy it would be in those moments to then go, well, this is why I don't trust people. Exactly. This is why like this happens to me, like, and go into victimhood mode again. Mm. And so I think I also had experiences in, you know, my early twenties of, 
of dramatic, turbulent relationships and breakups that kind of gave me um, an example of what not to do. (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) let's remember that one. Do everything the opposite way. (laughs) And... And yeah, it was like, it was healing on such a deep level because like you said, it caused me to, it called me to really address those deeper fears that probably had stemmed from, you know, my family, like my family and my parents' divorce and and those feelings of abandonment. And I, I always believe that relationships are mirrors and teachers that give us an opportunity to heal from the past. Mm. Absolutely. Push Your Peak is a brand new podcast brought to you by What Bike. Join me, Louise Minchin, and some of the world's most incredible sports people to learn what it takes mentally and physically to push yourself beyond your limits. Whether you're an elite or everyday athlete, it can be hard to continually progress. How do you push yourself out of your comfort zone? Where do you go to find that inner drive? Tune in to hear these inspiring stories and take away the belief that you can achieve your own goals no matter matter how big or small you can find us wherever you got this podcast just search push your peak ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So then, what was your third defining moment? So my third defining moment, which kind of, you know, stems from that um, Mm. in a way, because after that experience, I, you know, everything in my career started to fall into place. I I found a group of friends that felt so aligned with me and I felt like I truly knew who I was and like Mm. felt really happy in myself, independent from a relationship. And then I kind of fell slightly into like, oh, well, I don't need a relationship. And I think, you know, it's a very relatable theme for women approaching their thirties or in their thirties. And bear in mind, I was already in my thirties at this time. Mm. Um, Thinking, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure 
to find someone and I just kind of really rebelled against that idea and I kind of was like oh I don't know whether I ever want to be with anyone and Mm -hmm. and I think it's it's okay and good to kind of brush up against the status quo sometimes and push the boundaries to know what's truly right for you but I realized that actually a part of it was fear of being hurt again um and being scared to put myself back out there because I got something so wrong in the past I was like terrified of misjudging a situation again or you know not not seeing a person for who they truly are and the truth is like it's hard to sometimes know so the third defining moment was you know I'm quite a recluse I don't go out that much I'm I not like dating apps and stuff aren't for me so in terms of meeting someone I I definitely wasn't putting myself out there in any by any means but in the summer my friend Farley um, and I and another friend were going to wilderness and in the morning it was raining one of my friends bailed and then I was like actually I don't want to go I'm just going to stay home I was doing this like course at the time I was just like I'm just going to stay and just be cozy, like I like <laughs> to be as a Taurus. And anyway, my friend Farley was just not having any of it and sort of like forced, she was like, I'm just going to come over and like say goodbye before I go. Because I honestly told her about 20 times I didn't want to go. And she pretty much forced me in the car. And I was like, you always put this pressure on me. And she's like, yeah, but you sometimes need to do stuff. So anyway, we drove the whole way to Wilderness. We got out, we walked in. The first person I saw was my ex-boyfriend. So the one that I've just said I went through that traumatic breakup with. And I was like, luckily, you know, I didn't I don't carry any um negative feelings towards him or anything like that. But I was just like, oh, classic, you know, the first person I see. And then we were just walking around and I was kind of feeling, not feeling it. And I was like, I think I'm gonna go home. Like that's just really unsettled me. Um and then Farley was like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna stay. Like just let's just give it the day. And I then ended up, I saw this guy from across the field that me and Farley knew. And I was like, oh, I swear that's Ollie. And so she was like, well, let's go over and say hello. And we walked over and then standing with him was this guy called Tom, who I hadn't seen in 10 years. And we started chatting and then we all like kind of walked off together to go and see like this act that was performing And I just started talking with Tom or he started talking with me and it was just like something just locked. It was like this experience that I've never really had before. Um, And this kind of like, this kind of energetic connection where I was like, it felt so reciprocated, but also it's strange because I think in the past I've, you know, when you have that chemistry or some um, with someone, it can kind of come with anxiety, but this felt very, very calm it felt very like familiar but also very elating as well and we just talked and I honestly we were talking like absolute rubbish we weren't there it wasn't like what we were saying but something else was communicating and I remember um because Farley was driving and we weren't actually staying there and so eventually you know she was then playing the wing woman at at this point because she knew that there was some kind of connection yeah and then she was like she was like dude we've got to go home like I'm so tired and so we left, but I remember just feeling so magnetic as I walked off. Oh. Like I was like, oh my God, that what what was like what was that? Mm. And then we ended up going on a date about a week later. And I'm such a I'm such a sucker for a kiss. Like I always think that a kiss 
tells you everything you need to know. And I think that a kiss can, sometimes people kiss you and it's like they've kissed you a thousand times in a hundred lifetimes. And it's just the best feeling. And that's, that's what I had with him. So I would say that that's my third moment was meeting him. Oh my God. I'm (laughs) just so smiling. Oh, it's so beautiful. And what's really funny is that I have this thing and I say it in the book that um, whenever you're about to meet your soulmate, your exes will suddenly appear in your life. No, because you know what also Roxy's really weird is that it wasn't just that ex, it was two exes I saw. In the space of 10 minutes, it was two exes. And I, and that's why I was like, you know what? This is a joke. I'm going oh home. Oh my God. It's and literally then, what I say in the book. Yeah. Cause then what happened was it started pouring with rain and we were like hiding under this massive tree and this group of guys came over and they were on a stag do and we just started chatting with them. And I said, I was like, I think I'm going to go home. I'm just not really feeling this. And they were like, mm. why do you should say? And I was like, I've just bumped into two ex-boyfriends and I've been here for 10 minutes. <laughs> like, this is just not my vibe. And one of the guy that was actually getting married, he said, well, you know what that means, don't you? And I was like, no. And he was like, it means that your future boyfriend's here too. And I was like, it does. No. <laughs> like, yeah. And it was Incredible. such a weird, like crazy moment. That was, um, and then that kind of caused me to. St- I was like, "Wow, maybe, maybe that's true." Oh how come? How come you've written that in the book then? Because I believe that you know one of my steps is step four: overcome tests from the universe. And I believe that exes are a test. So when they come mm. into your life, they test your self worth to see how resilient you are to your old self or to your old triggers. Because exes can bring with it this feeling yeah. of familiarity and comfort, mm. and even if it's um, familiar pain. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really just understanding how you show up for yourself in those times when an ex enters your life in any capacity. And if you're able to kind of really, really then have let it go and let them go and let your old self go so that you can, something new and more meant for you is able to enter your life. Yeah. So um, that's just such a beautiful story. And honestly, I feel like my heart is just... I just am so happy for you. I'm just like, oh, you so deserve it. And I just feel so like touched. And yeah, I was just so happy for you to have that love. And I think it's really beautiful to hear that when you say, you know, it just felt there's something, there was something calm about it. And I think that's what when we, you know, and I think me and you have had some real similarities growing up and you, you reject the calm because it's it's the high that you want that kind of almost like love addict behavior. Yeah. Um, So that's the thing. If you've got that addictive nature, like that, of course, spills into your romantic choices. And I Mm. was someone that you know, crave those kind of extremes, those sort of toxic extremes. That was all, that was all I really knew. And I think also Mm. by doing the work on myself, I think, because it is like the love I have is definitely extreme, Mm. but it's, um, it's really rooted as opposed to like feeling flighty or, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, it just feels very grounded. Describing it. And how, is your relationship with alcohol and stuff now? Do you drink? Well, I sort of resonate with the term sober curious. And that's because I think for me, is some, you know, it kind of ties into my perfectionism. So whenever I tried to be like, go totally sober, I felt like I was always setting myself up for failure. 
And also I'm not someone that is in AA or that if I have one drink, I'll have 20. But that being said, I drink like so, so rarely because it just Mm. doesn't, it just doesn't agree with me. And Mm. I often have these dreams about it that I feel is my subconscious just reminding me that it's just not. Yeah, user dreams. I get them all the time. Do well, I you? Used, I used to get them all the time. I've actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, haven't had one in ages. What yet, user dreams? User dreams, yeah. What, what talk to me? Because I've never like, no one's ever explained these to me, but I have them a lot. Well, I don't really, I don't really know other than that it's a really common thing that after you've kind of given something up given something up I used to have it with smoking all the time or like this is fucking lame but when I used to be obsessed with my dieting like I would dream about eating <laughs> but yeah, I'm like no, no, so glad I don't do that anymore but um yeah you know I'd you know you have dreams about doing drugs and you'll wake up and you'll be like thank god or if you've just given up smoking you've smoked a pack of cigarettes and you're like oh, thank god it was a dream I don't know what well, it this is, is. The thing. it's like the anxiety I get the next day yeah that these dreams it's that I basically wake up and I am sort of realizing that I'd gone out and I've drunk and I've sort of ruined my life yeah. <laughs> um but now it's kind of evolved and that it's the fear is that I've ruined something in my relationship or specifically with someone I work with so it's more personalized but it's mm. it's really interesting I think it's my subconscious just reminding me this isn't for you yeah. and also just that it still needs to be processed I do think yeah that, um with things like when you've given up booze or nights out or stuff like that whatever I think that you don't understand you forget that all those you know that kind of severe shame you get the next day the guilt it's actually just like lots of mini traumas and I think that often we don't process them we're just we're like we give up and then that's it but we actually don't process it because it's self-inflicted we don't give us us feel self-inflicted we don't give ourselves the time to actually go actually that was really painful and I need to just like process it and let it go and give myself compassion for that old me and so maybe there's a sign to do more of that yeah that's very true well Kagi I have literally loved loved talking to you and looking back at kind of those 20s and those are really tough challenging years I mean I would never fucking do them again don't know about you but (laughs) what would in hindsight you know and then this everything we do me you um you know anyone in this industry is really to help hopefully those people younger than us as well not to make those or maybe just to ease that pain of those years what would your advice be to those younger people or to your younger self yeah, I mean, my tr- I, it's funny because everyone obviously has such a different relationship to their 20s, but mine, I I wouldn't want to <laughs> do again, even though they were fun and filled with a lot of amazing memories. But especially towards the latter part of them, I, I felt so burdened in such an unnecessary way and that sort of backpack of opinions really came off when I went into my 30s and I felt so much lighter so my advice like to sort of simplify it would be I believe the only wrong step is not taking one and and that's from someone who experienced that sort of paralysis analysis where I actually was so scared of failing that I remained motionless and that then caused me so much more heartache than it would have had I just tried at the things I wanted to do um 
I think it's Brene Brown describes it as like it's better to have short-term disappointment than long-term regret and Mm. I think that that is so true and I think we put far too much pressure on ourselves in our 20s to have it all figured out when it's really just a, a decade of discovery and rediscovery and we need those experiences and mistakes and we need to kind of rub up against the edges of who we aren't to discover who we are so I would say yeah I would say just to kind of be a bit more compassionate and go easier on yourself I know that's a lot easier said than done no but there's definitely there's and I'm sure you felt it as well but there's definitely something that happens when you arrive at your 30s that you just kind of have this sigh of relief and you're like oh wow this is (sighs) yeah I didn't need to feel that way and actually there's just um a freshness about it that feels very empowering and liberating totally oh Kagi I love you you're amazing (laughs) (laughs) thank you my love Um, okay what is your most memorable book so there's a book that I read when I was younger I haven't read it for a really long time but it's called The Wizard of Earthsea um and that's something that I, it's always stayed with me because in, in essence, it's about someone that's kind of trying to outrun their own shadow. And I feel mm. that that was something that I spent my 20s trying to do. So that's definitely Love one. That. What is your favorite quote? Um, my favorite quote is a quote from Kant. And it's two things fill the mind with ever new and increasing admiration and awe. The more often and steadily we've, we reflect upon them, the starry heavens above me and the moral law within. Wow. Beautiful. Where did you find that? It's just something that I, I read in philosophy, but it kind of like, it, I'm always reminded of it with the work that I'm doing in Saturn Returns and astrology, because it's kind mm. of about the dance between the two worlds, the external and the internal. Mm, so. I love, love it. What is your go-to feel-good film? True romance. Oh, true yes. romance or practical magic. Oh, I've not seen practical magic. <gasps> oh my God, Roxy, you're going to love it. It's oh my with God, Nicole yay. Kidman oh, I love her. and Sandra Bullock and it's about witches. It's incredible. Oh my God. It's like a real 90s classic, I think. Most influential mentor. There's a man called Denzel who I was introduced to um, in the music industry a couple of years ago who really helped guide me with kind of my career and where I wanted to go and has been very supportive for me when I'm handling like business conversations and how to how to navigate things from like a spiritual standpoint but also be businessy which as I'm sure uh, I think we've talked about it as well can be quite challenging yeah 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 totally so so Denzel's been quite influential yeah a moment where you felt most proud I'd say recently when I did my Saturn Returns tour, um, we had a show in London and it was just, I think, meeting everyone after and having Mm. that experience of like hugging everybody and hearing about their stories and why they've connected to the podcast was like such a humbling, amazing moment. Oh, I love, love that. Top tip for dealing with stress. Stay away from caffeine. (laughs) <laughs> stay away from stay away from alcohol and I I just I'm a big believer in getting out in nature and just going mm. for a long walk when you're oh God, yes. feeling stressed and yeah being in nature definitely a song that cheers you up I'm really enjoying this song at the moment and it's because um it was played on euphoria and I was like oh my god 
I think for like everyone. Yes, that must be the best show of all time. Oh my god, it's so good. But it's um Jerry Rafferty right down the line. So I'm like I'm playing that quite a lot at the moment to have a dance around. Mm. Um and the last question is who is the first person you called to share good news? <sighs> it's a tie. It's a tie between <laughs> my mum and my boyfriend. Oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Kangi, you've been such an amazing guest. Thank you so, so much um, Thank for you coming for on me. and sharing so vulnerably and openly. And yeah, I just love listening to you and I've loved, loved, loved speaking to you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Oxy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 